Well, here we are for Revelation 13, and we left it at quite the cliffhanger now, almost two weeks ago. Had to miss last week because of a cold, um, not COVID, just a cold. And uh, that's just, I, I get colds. Some people do. But sometimes it's still all right to cough without thinking you're dying. Revelation 13, uh, we left it at that cliffhanger with verse 1, the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. I always thought that would be a great way to start a, a story, a, a novel. Uh, it, it's honesty time here. It's generally well agreed that chapter 13, maybe, and chapter 14, but certainly chapter 13, are the hardest chapters to interpret in the entire book of Revelation, and that's saying something indeed commentaries that have um, four to five pages on other chapters will have 10 to 20 pages on this one. And most of them end up either sounding way too certain of a narrow interpretation, or more likely, they feel like they were written by an octopus because it constantly says, but on the other hand, but on the other hand, we, uh, we, we really need to step back here from the theological morass that chokes this book, and yes, this chapter in particular. Uh, please remember, copies of this book did exist. They were being circulated among the churches in Asia. Today, we would primarily call that Turkey and that surrounding area, but mainly Asia Minor. Um, there were copies and they were being read, but that said, the locals were not gonna have a lot of time to break out a thesaurus, a grammar, um, and grab all their other books. Please remember, their books were not in convenient download form uh, and certainly weren't on their phones. Therefore, they had to find a book of Kings or a book of Daniel or a book of Ezekiel, or they had to have people who already knew them really well to talk to them and say, oh, wait, that's kind of a callback to Daniel 7 there. This is why continually in this book, it throws at you all kinds of images and then says, blessed be those who hear the words of this book, because the vast majority are never going to read it, the book, the people this is sent to. They're just going to have to hear it. Now, hearing it are you going to have time to go back through and split all of these beasties apart into various components and then assign them to peoples and times and situations and natural occurrences? And no, no. So some reality and some honesty that this was a fire hose at them and they weren't expected to get all the water, but they were expected to figure out the direction and what it would mean for them. So, by the way, um, the Bible wouldn't be gathered together into one convenient form for many hundreds of years, even after the books were agreed. Uh, it's just the way books were made until the middle of the 15th century, you just really couldn't carry around much in a way of reading material. So, blessed be the hearers. Now, allow the scenes to crash about in your head as we start to read this chapter. Uh, get impressions, get emotions, get concepts, not names, not specific details or specific dates. For one, there aren't a lot of specific details in here. It's a general 
unrolling of chaos upon the planet. Uh, but then a picture behind there, spoiler alert, of a great God who is still in control. Um, that's what the book is, all right? So remember, this is their book. Don't steal it. Don't make it about us. Don't go, ooh, ooh, that, that's COVID. And oh, oh that, that, one, that one's Putin. That's Trump. That's Biden. That's Prince Charles. That's Elf on a Shelf. That's an Adam Sandler movie. I, I will agree that Adam Sandler movies are terribly beastly, but he's probably not 666. Probably. Revelation 13. We're just doing this casually today, guys. Uh, the dragon stood on the throne of the, uh, on the shore of the sea. Love that. And I saw a beast coming out of the sea. And now remember the dragon is Satan. He's on the shore of the sea, and now a beast is coming out of the sea. This becomes important. They would have gotten that. We don't get it. That's why I said it. All right. Uh, it had ten horns and seven heads and ten crowns on its horns, and each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was full of wonder and, and followed the beast. The whole world. People worshipped the dragon because he'd given authority to the beast and also worshiped the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can wage a war against it? I'm gonna stop here real quick, just to make sure you catch something. The, um, the people worshiped the beast, you know, who is like the beast? They had a, um, um, a fatal wound that, that seems to be healing. You know, things are, ooh, we thought he was down, now he's back. Who is like the beast? Who can wage, wow. Sounds like God's got some real competition here. And that's exactly what Satan's trying to do. In fact, the beast gave this beast, the dragon rather, gave this beast all of its power. Do you remember when Jesus was tempted by Satan? And at one point, Satan took him up to a high place and says, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus didn't look at him and say, you can't do that. The devil has a hand in the kingdoms of the world. Jesus called him the prince of this world. So don't discount that the devil can be behind government systems and often is, maybe always is. Even though governments were designed to be a protection by God, that's not the way they often turn out. And that's, um, that's just a cry and shame, frankly. But we shall move on. The, again, uh, the beast was given, verse 5, a mouth to utter. Oh, I wanted to say another thing. He, he was in control of the whole world. I've seen writers say, well, you know, this can't be Rome because Rome didn't cover the whole world. Yes, it did. According to their definition of world. Paul talks about saying the gospel has gone out into all the world. Wait, wait a minute. Did it make it to Mali, Uganda, Suriname, Malaysia, Australia? Did it make it to North America? No. So Paul's a liar. No. 
the world as they knew it is their world. So it's gone out into all the world. So whenever it says here, it's taken over all the world, where's a Roman gonna go to be a not Roman? Everywhere you went, the legions are marching. So it's the world. Okay. Beast, verse five. Beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authorities for 42 months. Remember, remember. 42, 1260, a time, times, and half a time, or three and a half years, all of those mean the same thing. And that means for a long time, but not all the time, it's a limited time, but it's gonna be a significant time, all right? Um, what's, what's it gonna do? It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. It was given power to rage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth, all inhabitants of the earth, again, this is their world, will worship the beast, all whose names who have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. We'll get back to that. Whoever has ears, let them hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with a sword, with a sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Woof. Okay. This is a human beast. It arises from the sea. Now that's, that's kind of important for us to talk about for a bit. We cannot blame Satan and his angels for all of our trouble and for all of our pain and for all of our sins and the sins of others because we're pretty good at doing that on our own. We don't pay attention to what we eat, when we eat. We don't exercise. We don't take care of ourselves. We don't take Sabbath. We engage in behavior that is designed, that is absolutely leads to the destruction of our body. And then we blame medicine for not fixing us. Or we blame God for not keeping us from this disease. And I'm not blaming the victims here. There are many people victimized by illnesses they had no control over. But you and I both know that the world is eating more and worse and we're treating ourselves awful. And do you need, do you need help being greedy? Do you? When you were a kid, did your parents have to teach you how to say mine? Or did you pretty much have that figured out? I think I know the answer to that. We are our enemy, right? Satan's out there and Satan's real and so are the demons. But let's not be kidding ourselves. Most of our wounds are self-inflicted. Obviously, there are stunning exceptions. You know, we cannot say to, uh, to the Jews in the Holocaust, well, you know, most of our wounds are self. No, no, that was not self-inflicted. That was inflicted by an evil national socialist party. You and I need to uh, be very careful when we do sweeping things, especially me, because as a minister, according to God, I'll come under the greater condemnation. 
I have to watch out. Well, you know, I have a, there's a warning tag written by God on my job. So I don't want to do too sweeping here, but I can say that when I look at my own life, most of my scars are self-inflicted, that we are led away, as James would put it, by our own lust. John would lead us that direction as well, that we, um, we, we look, we see, we think, and we lust, and we, greed, we have greed, we get angry, and we say things, and we, yeah. We even put governmental powers over our churches. And not, not, I'm not saying here that we're doing tax deductible. Don't get crazy. What I'm saying is, even in churches, there's a pyramid of power. Some, and it's, it's almost never in um, non-denominational churches. It's very frequently um, not even written down anywhere. But you walk in that building after a while, you know what family runs it, what group runs it. And um, it's a, it's a top-down deal. And that's terrifying. But again, that all comes from us. That, it, it's a shame, but it's a reality that we give that we're, we're the best allies Satan ever had. Um, I've had people say, if Satan is real, and he, you know, the, in third world countries, that question's rarely said, because they, they see him and the like, and they'll say, well, why don't we see him more in America? And I said, well, why, why would you need to? He's already got it. We worship sex, power, violence, and stuff. What, what else do you want him to do? And that arises from us, the beast from the sea. There are also beasts in this world that we feed. Uh, we vote for parties that promise to harm our neighbor, that promise to put down our neighbor's parties, that promise to uh, run roughshod over our neighbor's parties. We buy items made by slaves. Yep, we do. Uh, we work for companies that do not deal honestly with their customers and often with their employers or their employees. Beasts rise from the sea because we feed them and we raise them up. Sometimes these companies are forced to be a little bit more open with us. Now, I have no animus against T-Mobile. If you have T-Mobile, fine. I, I don't use it. I, I have a different company and it has its own sense, right? But right now, T-Mobile is really excited about their rolling out 5G. Please watch for those commercials. They'll have a map of the, of the United States and they'll say greatest 5G coverage and it'll just bloom with this purpley pink color. I'm not great with colors, all right? Purpley pink color, just covering it. And it's, whoa, keep watching and step up to your TV because at the very bottom, it'll flash up. Map is not an indication of coverage. And, or there'll be a pill. And they'll say, this pill, you're afraid you're gonna lose your brain, this'll fix it. You're afraid you're gonna, this'll fix it. And at the bottom, none of this has ever been approved by the federal drug. In other words, no, we don't have anything to back this up. We're just selling stuff to you. We raise up beast and we feed them. But enough, back to the, um, back to this. Paul said, you know, if, if you're wondering right now, well then what do we do? How, how do we handle that? Uh, Paul said we couldn't step out of this world, but that we didn't have to be part of it. You don't have to feed the beast. Jesus said very much the same thing in John 17 when he told his father, please be with 
these people. They're not in the world. They're not of the world, but they're in the world. And he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm asking you to be with them in the world. When I drive to get my mom tomorrow for, um, to bring her up for Christmas, uh, Lord willing, I will go through Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. And then as you drive down through that area, you almost always see Amish people. They have quite a large community in that region. God is not calling us to be like the Amish or the Mennonites and um, who Mennonites don't pull as far away, but to pull away and be, or become hermits in the, um, um, in the wilderness for God. We're going to be tied around this kind of stuff. We just have to keep our eyes open and be, as scripture says, peculiar people. That there's a life goal for you. Or... Uh, Paul would say, don't be drunk with wine, but be drunk with the Spirit. Now, he wasn't there attacking wine. What he was doing was, when you're drunk with wine, you act in a way everybody's going, that person's drunk. If you're filled with the Spirit, people ought to be able to look at you and go, that's a different person. There's something different about that person right there. Be that. Back to the beast. The imagery in this chapter comes almost entirely from Daniel 7, but it's, it's a mashup because it's not a one-for-one. One. It's, it's just a mashup. Uh, Daniel was looking at uh, kingdoms that unrolled over many centuries. And the book of Revelation is saying, this is all coming at you now. And it's going to roll for a time, times and half a time. It's going to be around a while. Um, this is Rome. Just to cut to the chase. This is Rome and its blasphemous ways. This is Nero uh, who would dip... Christians in tar and tie them up, hang them upside down and light them while still alive for his garden parties. At least that's what Tacitus tells us. And most historians think Tacitus was probably telling the truth. This is Domitian, who is known, by the way, as a second Nero, or as Juvenal uh, called him, uh, a bald Nero. There are other writers as well that looked upon Domitian as the resurrection of Nero. Domitian was a very weird character. If you ever you follow a podcast and you go to the podcast podcast on dictators, uh, they have a two-part on Domitian, or they have a two-part on Nero. Um, it is not for children, okay? But it's free if you want to go listen to that, but not now because we're, we're not done. These emperors, by the way, claim to be God, divine, there are those that say Domitian started this whole emperor as God thing, but the truth is that pretty much been going on for a while. And, and even if they didn't say, I am God, they certainly acted like it and expected to be treated that way. Uh, I, I would say from Caesar on, um, you could make some arguments for a couple before then, but really Rome was still a republic back then when it became an empire. That's when it became very dangerous. You didn't have three leaders. You had one great Caesar. Oh, boy. Uh, there are international relations people that will tell you it is time to get out of a country when you start seeing pictures of its leader everywhere. And when you start seeing statues of its leader, get out. They're right. They really are doesn't mean you, should, you walk in the post office and there's a picture of whoever's president at the time and you go, nah, nah, nah. no, no, no. You know what we mean. 
when there becomes a cult of personality about a party or a person, uh -oh. somebody's going to be hurt. By the way, um, interesting little historical side note, the emperors of the day were the best fed and drank the most. And that made them crazy. Now, not just because of gluttony and drunkenness, but because impurities in food. In fact, being poisoned was a serious danger back then because enemies always liked to poison. And that was true all the way up through the 1800s, frankly. But in Rome, it was an art form. In fact, if you ever read much Agatha Christie, and she wrote so many books and stories, she was very, very elaborate on poisons. That woman was a little fixated on poisons. I'm not going over to that house for tea, all right? So I'm saying. Uh, but the emperors were being also driven crazy because they did drink and eat out of vessels that contained lead, arsenic, and mercury. Like the Mad Hatter. If you ever read Alice in Wonderland, the Mad Hatter is mad because the way that they used mercury in the creation of hats, it's a long story, got into them and poisoned them. I can remember when I was a boy where teachers would put a drop of mercury on their hand to roll it around and show you the weird properties of it because it really is cool looking, not knowing they were poisoning their systems. It doesn't take much more than a few micrograms and you will get it doing this. That's why we don't put mercury in, in thermometers anymore. They used to stick them under your tongue or the, and, and there'd be mercury. And we, don't, we don't do that. Why? As long as it's sealed, you're probably fine. But if that breaks open, but there's also lead. And all of this causes serious illness in the family. Um, loss of hair, change of hair, misshapen children, Domitian had a weirdly shaped head and skin blotches that would just inflame and, and all over his body, all of his life. The way he treated that, it's, you can find that in the podcast. I'm not talking about it. Um, oh, and add on to this. They had sex with everything that moved and most things that didn't. So they were riddled with sexually transmitted disease. Yeah, this is, this is what you get. And he, they call themselves God. Regardless, Christians needed to know that these crazy people were going to be in charge. These crazy people were going to run the whole world, their whole world. There, is a, there are a couple lines in there saying God's going to provide for his people, but they're still going to suffer. Many will die, and the others may have to escape into the wilderness. Now, when you and I think of wilderness, we probably have different pictures. Maybe a desert or deserted landscape, or a, uh, an endless forest uh, in the Pacific Northwest, let's say, or up toward Alaska and the Northwest Territories of Canada. Um, that's not what they thought of. They thought of wilderness. They thought of um, the, the pagans and the, um, uh, the evil Mongol hordes and all that sort of thing the barbarians, all of that was anywhere that wasn't Rome. If you went somewhere that wasn't Rome, you were in the wilderness because there was nobody to keep order. Keeping order 
was the main job of the day. People did not consider themselves to have rights. If they died to keep order, that's the system. So whenever the Bible talks about you're going to be driven into the wilderness, understand what that means outside of Rome. All right? Especially in this book. Um, they're not going to be hermits. They're just going to be away from Rome. Now, in, in 13.8, I said we come back to this. The Bible talks about Jesus crucified from the foundation of the world, and a lot of ink has been spilled over this. It's actually pretty simple. This is being recorded just a few days from Christmas. Um, let's please remember that that little baby lying in the, in the manger was the king of the universe, and that the shadow of a cross fell over the manger. Yeah. He always knew. Now, when he knew and what he knew, that's, a, that's God's unrolling, and he didn't share that with us. But it's, it was planned from before God said, let there be light. God set this plan out ahead of time, what Jesus was going to do for us. This was not a whim. And that should make you feel extremely good today. Because if God plans your salvation that far out, is he going to let you just slip away? As he said, no one can snatch them from my hand. I love that picture. You're allowed to walk out if you want to, but the scripture even talks about God is pursuing us and the spirit pursuing us. He wants us. He loves us. It's good news. Well, Revelation 13, we got to read the rest of this, okay? And um, we won't spend a great deal of time here because it should be more self-explanatory. <laughs> uh, Revelation 13, starting at verse 11. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a, a, a dragon. See, it looks like a lamb. Then it opens its mouth and you're going, uh-oh. I have voted for people before thinking, that's a good person. And then as soon as they get in, you go, uh-oh. We've seen this with leaders in churches. We're going, you know something? I support that person to be part of the governing board, an elder, a presbyter, a bishop, whatever you call it. That person's a great person. And as soon as they walk through the door, you know, it's like alien has taken them. Looks, they had looked like a lamb, but spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf. So it is pulling from the power of Rome. And made the earth and the inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. In other words, you, you got rid of Nero, they're coming back, people. You got Diocletian, you got Domitian, you got, they're coming back. It performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Is that a real miracle or something? No. You, you please, please understand, the people here had not seen stuff. The Greeks had a way of firing fire at you, uh, Greek fire. We still don't have the re recipe for that, but we have some ideas. But the Romans, when they show up with their catapults, when they show up with all of these ways of flinging things in at you, that had never been seen before. You're going, what is that? So it, this, this beast has power. Because of the signs, it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast. It deceived the inhabitants of the earth. So it's not real. It's a deception. 
it ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And the second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast. These things are working together. We'll talk. Um, so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Call back to Daniel, right? It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name, and this calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. The number is 666. Oh, by the way, that phrase, the number of a man, can also just as easily and accurately be translated, it is the number of humanity. It is the number of mankind. Oh, let's get into this. Again, look like a lamb, then it opened its mouth and you see what the real nature is there. And to help us just put this in buckets we can understand, because we've already gone 28 minutes. We're only gonna go a few more. The first beast is Rome and it's persecuting power. And it has power and it is a beast. The second is the worship system that it used to gain and keep the loyalty of the people by trapping them into it. I've known people that go to churches because they feel trapped there, either trapped by threats and, thre and disfellowship or you're going to go to hell, or trapped because their family goes there, or trapped because many ministers are trapped because they say, I, I can't say what I want to say, what I believe is true, or I'll lose a paycheck and insurance. I, I get that. I get that. This trapping is the second beast because Rome's going to bring this worship in and it's going to wrap around you. It was designed to get your eyes off of God and onto something or someone else. Where, where they go to is not that important to the devil. We'll talk about that right at the, at the very last. Christians were called atheists by Rome because they didn't believe that the emperor was God. And they didn't believe in these other gods. So they were atheists. They were a danger to the order of the state. Christians were suffering already. And they're, they're being told, you're going to suffer even more because your culture is going to turn against you. It's going to make it very hard for you to buy and sell what you need. To call back to those beasts, you know, those riders earlier, one carrying the, the scales saying, we're going to overcharge you for this. Don't touch the line. Yeah. It's going to make it difficult. So, let's talk about 666. By the way, some of you may want to say, well, wait a minute. In some ancient versions, it says 626 or 616 or... There are a few copies like that. I don't think they were the standard. I don't think they were the original. 666 makes the most sense here. Why? Because it's the best way John has of indicating that this is something or someone masquerading as God. But they're not God. Remember God? Seven. Deity? Seven. Perfection? Seven. What is not perfection? Six. I mean, we could also say one, couldn't we? Or two, yeah. But six is close enough that it fools people. And three is a way that God does to really drive a point home. So it's six, six, six. We, um, what is 666? What's the beast? It is 
anything or anyone that takes your eyes off God. Period. And we have a ton of that. We have a ton of that in our lives, in our culture, in our academia. God has been dethroned and this is put up instead. In our school systems, God has been dethroned. Now, by the way, I'm not one of these people that say, we need to get school prayer back in there. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying God has been made irrelevant. We don't talk about him. We don't, you know, Christianity is not in our culture. Politicians claim Christianity while still promoting abortion or wars that God would not approve of. Um, we need to be very careful. 666 is not one person, one thing. It is anything that takes the place of God. And by the way, there are people right now studying why don't our children believe and are finding it's because God's been moved away. Um, we don't talk about him, even at home. We're far more concerned about taking them to band, taking them to this sport, that sport, taking them to this, that, and the other. They don't get Jesus. And then we take them to churches and we often don't get Jesus there. We get either a, a, a watered down, just be nice, be Confucius-like, or we get this angry, mean stuff with a bunch of rules that Jesus didn't make. It's one of the reasons why I love our safe harbor. Um, you can look it up at oursafeharbor.com. See what, see what we're doing there. Regardless, there are many books written. <clears throat> Gotta take a drink of a refreshing beverage. There are many books written on all the different things people have claimed they know for certain because God told them this is what 666 means. <laughs> it's everything. It's, it's Hitler, Reagan, yeah, Reagan, uh, Gorbachev. You don't know who that was? See, people used to say he was a mark of the beast. Now you don't even know who it was. Um, credit cards, I'm not kidding. The little scanner codes. The UPC code, so you beep, beep, because you have to do that yourself now. Um, it could be, uh, people say, it's it's scanners. It's embedded chips. And you don't have the mark, you can't buy. Don't steal this book from these people. This is, a, this is about their lives and their children and grandchildren. It's saying your culture is going to turn against you. When people look at you, they're going to know, do you belong to our culture or not? They're not going to say culture or God. They're going to say culture or not. And if not, you're a danger. You are a disruptive force. Remember this as we close. For Christ to win, you have to be focused on Christ. You have to follow Christ. For Satan to win, you don't have to focus on him. You don't have to follow him. You don't even have to believe that he exists. Because all it takes for Satan to win is you not looking at Jesus. Jesus, it's harder here. You're going to have to focus on Jesus to be saved. Satan doesn't need that. He just needs you focused on anything else. Well, if you're watching this during Christmas week, have a Merry Christmas. I do plan to post another one next week between Christmas and the new year, but please be safe. Look after each other. We're in this world. 
but you don't have to be part of it. Cheerios.